So you've settled on an asset allocation plan. The next question is, how do you actually go about implementing it, particularly if you have more than one investment account? There are kind of two options. You could mirror the same asset allocation across all of the accounts that you have, or you could kind of treat them as one portfolio and put different uh, investments in different accounts so long as your overall asset allocation was consistent with your plan. That's the topic we're gonna to discuss in today's video. Hey everybody, my name is Rob Berger. This is the Financial Freedom Show where we talk about investing, particularly for those in and near retirement. Today's question comes from a viewer named Brent. Here's his situation. He and his wife have six investment accounts. They're all at Fidelity. He has two rollover IRAs, two Roth IRAs, and two traditional IRAs. He plans to implement the three fund portfolio. And that was his question. Does he just mirror the same asset allocation across each of those six accounts or does he think about them all sort of as one portfolio, put different assets in different accounts so long as the overall all asset allocation is consistent with a three fund portfolio? In answering that question, I think there are three sort of large considerations that we have to address. The first is simply simplicity. And, and frankly, this kind of cuts both ways. I do think at one level, uh, it's maybe uh, uh, easier to, to do the asset allocation on an account by account basis because you can simply go into one account. You can do whatever transactions you need to set up uh, the allocation, and then it's very easy to see when you need to rebalance. You've got all of those, in this case, three accounts and three three investments in, in each account. You can see what the percentages are in each, and, and you can rebalance. But there is a flip side to this, particularly for someone like Brent or, or those of you that have even more than six accounts. When it comes to rebalancing, you're going to have to go to account by account by account and do at least two, if not more, transactions to rebalance each one of them. Whereas if you had allocated across all of the accounts, you may have been able to rebalance with just two transactions for all of them. So in some ways, I think the question of simplicity cuts both ways. Now, before we move away from simplicity, I do wanna show you one free tool that I think is very helpful with this, particularly if you allocate across all of your accounts. Uh, and that's this simple investment spread, uh, tracking spreadsheet that I, I have. Uh, and this is an article that describes it. You'll see a link to the spreadsheet here. It uses Google uh, Sheets, it's free. Uh, and you can see uh, at least part of it here and what it looks like. Uh, I do plan to do some updates to this uh, uh, soon, uh, but uh, a lot of people have told me that this helps them both uh, understand their asset allocation, particularly if you don't mirror the same al asset allocation across all of your accounts, but it can also help you when, you, when it comes time to actually rebalance. So I'll mention this again, I'll leave a link to it uh, below. Uh, the video. So that's simplicity. Now, a second consideration is the availability of investment options. Now, in Brent's case, he's with he's got IRAs at Fidelity. He can pretty much invest in anything he wants. But for many of you, you may have a 401k or other workplace retirement where you have limited options. You may have an HSA through your employer. Again, with limited options, I can tell you that was very much my situation uh, in many cases throughout my career. I couldn't mirror uh, my desired asset allocation at, at work. And so that might be your case. And so that's at least something to consider I think it's probably one of the reasons why a long time ago, I didn't simply mirror uh, the asset allocation across all accounts. I couldn't. And so I've sort of come, become accustomed to not doing that in my own uh, portfolio, but it's uh, certainly an important factor to consider. And that brings us to the sort of the third, final, and by far, I think the most important consideration, and that is taxes. And here, I think we need to think about a, a couple of things. The first is simply what's called asset location. Some asset uh, classes or investments are more tax efficient than others. I think there are some investments that you'd prefer maybe to have in a taxable account uh, or uh, not have in a taxable account. So for example, I tend to not put REITs in a taxable account because they tend to generate significant uh, dividends and they're often taxed as ordinary income. I also don't want uh, uh, too much in, in the way of bonds in a taxable account. Yeah, there are cases where you can and you can use certain types of bonds that are more tax efficient uh, in a taxable account. But for most of my bonds, 
I prefer them in a traditional retirement account. And then the same is true with Roth accounts. I prefer to have those types of investments that I think are going to grow the most, like stock index funds in a Roth account. Since it's going to be tax-free, assuming we follow the rules, I want that account to get as fat as possible. And if you simply mirror uh, the same asset allocation in each of your accounts, you lose the ability to take advantage of the different tax treatments of these accounts and to put different investments in them. And, and that gets really important on taxable accounts. Now, in Brent's case, they were all IRAs, but for many of you, you may have a taxable account as well. If you were to simply mirror your asset allocation in that taxable account, not only might you have some investments in there that really aren't that tax efficient, when it comes time to rebalancing, you're sort of forced to either not rebalance or to sell investments uh, that are at a gain in your taxable account, trigger those taxes that you'd rather avoid in order to rebalance. If you've allocated across all of your accounts and you have different investments in different account types, you can set it up so that you almost never have to actually sell investments at a gain in a taxable account to rebalance. And I think that's a big advantage. Now, that gets us to sort of the second big, I'll call it tax consideration. And it's a concept called after-tax asset allocation. And so here's the basic idea. It's to first figure out what tax liabilities we're going to have in each account, sort of mentally remove those from the account and do our asset allocation with what's left. So a simple example would be, imagine a portfolio, there's 100,000 in a Roth and 100,000 in a, a traditional IRA, and you wanted a 50-50 stock bond allocation. Let's imagine we have 50% uh, 50 in, in the Roth, so 100% in stocks in the Roth, and we had uh, the 100,000 in the traditional IRA were in bonds. Well, that's 50-50 allocation, but what some folks come along and say, no, no, not so fast. Yeah, you get to keep the 100,000 in stocks in your Roth, but that 100,000 in bonds in the traditional IRA, that doesn't really all belong to you. If your tax rate's gonna be, we'll just say 25%, really 25,000 of that belongs to the government, not you. So you really don't have a 50-50 allocation. You've got 100,000 in stocks over in the Roth, but as a practical matter, you've only got 75,000 uh, in bonds in your traditional IRA. And so you really should do your, your asset allocation after sort of mentally removing those future tax liabilities uh, that we all know we're gonna have. And I think uh, this sort of thinking has some initial appeal. First of all, it makes sense to associate the future liability with the account that's going to generate it, not unlike how we associate our mortgage with our house. So yeah, it kind of makes sense. Traditional IRA has some embedded taxes. By the way, taxable account does too, but it's taxed differently. So maybe those liabilities won't be as much, but there's some there to factor in. And so that makes sense. I also think it has some initial appeal because we're used to thinking about budgeting and spending on an after-tax basis. At least I am. When I always do budgets, I don't start with my gross pay. I've take, I strip all the taxes out and then start with what's left. And so I think for both of these reasons, this idea of an after-tax asset allocation uh, has some appeal. And by the way, there are some big names that, that really uh, stand behind this idea. Let me show you. The first is Ben Felix. He's another YouTuber. I've never met him personally, but a very good YouTube channel that I recommend. He has this video. I'll link to it below uh, my video on what he calls pre versus after-tax asset allocation. I will warn those from the United States in the video he's talking about retirement accounts that are applicable in Canada, where he's from, but the concept is the same. So I'll link to that. Uh, there's a professor, William uh, Rickenstein. He's from uh, Baylor, and he's written a lot about this. He's a big proponent of stripping out the future tax liabilities first and then doing uh, your asset allocation. So uh, I will uh, uh, link to this article. He's written many more, but I'll link to this one below the video. And then uh, the Bogleheads, they've actually in their uh, wiki, they have, as you can see here, tax adjusted asset allocation uh, and an article on it. So some big, some big names stand uh, behind this. Why do I mention this? Because if you are a big believer in after-tax asset allocation, I am not, and I'll explain why in a minute, but if you are, you don't have to mirror the same asset allocation across all accounts to achieve it, but boy, it's a much easier way to actually do it. 
because otherwise you've got to go into each account, sort of strip out mentally the tax liability and then pull it all back together and then figure out how much in each fund. Can you do it? Sure. And in fact, I think my spreadsheet that I mentioned earlier could probably help. But if you're a big believer in after-tax asset allocation, it's probably much easier to implement it if you simply mirror the same asset allocation across all of your accounts. Yes, you do give up uh, a lot of the tax efficiencies that we talked about uh, a minute ago. And yes, when you rebalance your taxable account, you're gonna incur some taxes. So there's so some big trade-offs. But if you're a believer in that, it definitely makes it easier. Now, as I said, I'm not a believer in after-tax asset allocation. I think it's totally unnecessary. And there are a couple of reasons for it. First of all, while it may, I understand why we sort of associate a liability with a specific account, the truth is money is fungible, right? And the fact that, that we're gonna have to pay some future liability that, that's triggered by an IRA, I don't think has any bearing on how we view that from an asset allocation perspective. Let me give you a few sort of hypotheticals. Let's imagine that instead of having to pay income tax when we uh, take money out of an IRA, we didn't have to do that. Instead, the government just billed us for its services. So we got a police department bill and a, uh, I don't know, fire department bill, maybe a department of defense bill, a, a department of justice bill. And let's just imagine they added up in our hypothetical to the same $25,000 and it's money going out of our checking account, but would we change our asset allocation? And if we wouldn't, I don't think I would, why would we change it simply because that's not how we're taxed? We're taxed in a different way, but it's the same amount. You know. We can also look at this from the perspective of, say, real estate taxes, or how about sales tax, right? Those are not things that we associate with a specific account type, but we've got to pay them. And I can assure you, my checking account is just as sad when $1,000 leaves it to pay real estate taxes as it is when $1,000 leaves it to pay income tax because I had some gains on an investment or I took some money out of an IRA. But it really, I think my concerns with after-tax asset allocation actually go deeper than that. How about Roth conversions? So Roth conversions give us the ability to determine for ourselves the timing of the liability and how much it's going to be, right? Rather than say waiting until required minimum distributions kick in. But think about a Roth conversion. Uh, we often, in fact, the best approach to it is not to pay the tax liability out of the IRA. You're much better off with a Roth conversion paying it out of taxable funds. So if that's your plan and you're gonna pay it out of a taxable investment account, do we reduce the taxable investment account by, by the amount of the tax we plan to pay because that's where it's gonna come from? Well, what if we don't pay it out of a taxable account, at least a taxable investment account? What if we've put the money aside for the next few years for Roth conversions we plan to do and it's sitting in a savings account? Well, how do, how do we allocate now? Do we even do we just ignore it because it's not coming out of an investment account? I think that kind of shows to me how just sort of nonsensical it is to worry about some sort of after-tax uh, asset allocation. And then the third thing I'll say is it really adds a lot of complexity it's almost impossible to estimate what your taxes are going to be. Now, I think some could say, sure, it's, it's not an exact science, but you're, it's better off being a little wrong you know, on the, on the estimate than completely ignoring it. But it actually go, grows deeper than that. What if you plan to give to, to charity some of your uh, IRA distributions when the required minimum distribution comes along? Or you might do it, but you're not sure. So now how do you account for that? What about taxable accounts that you're gonna leave to heirs and they're gonna get stepped up basis? I suppose you could say, well, we'll just try to do our best to do the best guess at all of these things. But to me, it just adds completely unnecessary complexity to the whole process. So I really don't think after-tax asset allocation, I don't think it makes sense. And I certainly don't think it's necessary. That's my view. You may disagree. Again, I'll leave links uh, to some very smart people who disagree with me. You can make the decision that you think is best for you. If you really do want to implement after-tax asset allocation, again, you don't have to mirror the same asset allocation across all accounts, but it certainly does make it easier. So at the end of the day, for me, I do not mirror the same asset allocation uh, across all accounts. I prefer to be able to uh, have different investments in different accounts based on 
the tax treatment of those accounts and the tax profile uh, of the investment itself. That's my approach, but again, uh, certainly not uh, necessarily the best approach for you. For there, there you go, hope that helps you. Brent, hope that help, answers your question. If you have more questions, leave them in the comments below. I'll do my best to help you out any way I can. And until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.